Hello, this is Dr. Amy Lindsay, and I'm here to remind you that the information in this podcast is not medical or other professional advice. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. You should not rely on anything you hear as a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional who is familiar with your personal situation. Listening to this podcast may, however, give you a sense of belonging, make you spit take your coffee, realize that DJs can do more than play music, uplift you during a shit day, teach you that sometimes doctors swear too much, or remind you that you are not alone. It's going to start like sounding like a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> it's going to totally sound like that. This is a Seinfeld episode. So yesterday I'm leaving the house, Amy, because you are telehealthing all day here where we record this podcast. That's right. I do a few clinic hours virtually on some Saturdays. So I was taking the eight-year-old and the dog out of the house to give you peace. So, you know, you know, I'm trying to balance everything, trying to get everything out the door, you know, and I load the dog and the dog supplies and the kid and the kid supplies and my supplies and, and snacks. Yeah. Snacks for the kid, for the dog, not for me, of course. And I know I'm going to be out for about a four hour journey, possibly at the most. So I head out and we first, of course, our first errand is to pick up wine from a wine club we belong to in the Fremont neighborhood. Because that's, that's a good errand for a kid and a dog. Yeah, I thought so. And it's a wine club where someone signed me up. Super nice. Shout out to my friend Scott. And I'm four months behind. So they're always excited to see me because I always forget to pick this wine up. So all's going well, Amy. I got wine in the car. The dog is doing good. It, it, this, the kid is drawing pictures. We decide after that, I'm going to go to Green Lake. We used to live near this beautiful little lake called Green Lake here in Seattle and go for a walk. This is when things start to turn a little during my journey. And um, the dog had one of those craps that like was, it, it went on. It took a shit. For a long time in a, like a crop circle, it just kept going around and around and it just got, well, she craps in a circle. Yeah. So it just got runnier and worse. And I'm looking Ugh. at how many bags I have and it's just a nightmare. So we finally clean that up. We get moving down Green Lake and we see uh, eight paramedics helping some woman on, on the middle of the path. Just, you know, so then my son is asking me all these questions. So I'm answering health questions, which goes right into why the tents are on the side of the park as well. So we go right into the homeless question. I'm an hour into my trip and could use the wine out of the car already. <laughs> We make it around there. And by the way, we used to live there. I forgot how long ass walk that is. That's like, he kept it's asking. It's 2.8 miles on the inner loop. He's used to about two at the most. So 2.8 was out of his wheelhouse. So the kid's getting tired. I'm getting tired. The dog's getting tired. We finally make it back up and she's dehydrated. So I give her a bunch of water. We shove her in the car in her little car seat thing. It's a smaller car seat for puppies. The sleepy pod. The sleepy pod. Shout out. Great, great pod to put your dog in. And we're driving and we're heading to our business park partner at the bar's place, which is on Capitol Hill, kind of near the bar. Well, I'm getting closer to the bar and I hear, dad, something's wrong with the dog. You never want to hear that while you're driving your car from an eight-year-old. I said, okay. And so I pull over and we're a block away from Life on Mars, our bar. I look down, the dog looks distressed. I open up the thing. I pull the dog out and vomit just shoots in all directions. She throws up on me. She throws up on my legs, on my hoodie, uh, on the car seat, uh, everywhere. And I'm, you know, across the street from my bar where 25 people are enjoying a nice sunny Saturday brunch while the owner is across the street covered in dog food vomit. By the way, our guest today, Megan Jasper, got me the hoodie. It was a sub pop hoodie that, that the, the dog, dog puked on. So I could use another one. I'm a medium. So I went into the bar. 
I get all the supplies. I clean the dog up. I clean the me up. The kid is watching. I had the bartender come out and watch my child. So now I have the bartenders <laughs> watching my kid. People are trying to enjoy I brunch. Don't, I don't think that was in her job description. No, but it was very kind of her. And uh, I'm, and then people are recognizing me. Like, oh, hey, it's John in the morning. I'm like, yeah, yeah, not right now. So I'm I, luckily I'm near the bar, Amy. So I'm able to get the rubber gloves. I get a to-go bag. I, I clean the vomit in the car. I go to our bathroom in the bar. I clean this all up. Okay. So I'm like, all right, we made it through this. I'm texting Amy. I, I don't think even I got know what a to text. Do. It was like, I'm at the bar and the dog threw up all over the place. And I was thinking, wait a second. I thought they went to Green Lake. Like why? What? <laughs> like that, what? <laughs> does that make I couldn't, I couldn't translate. Could I know you pretty well where you can say almost anything to me. And I'd be like, oh yeah, potato salad. Right. But I had no idea. Did, did you have a visual of the dog like sitting at, at the bar, like a cartoon, had too much to drink and threw up all over our bar? Because that's I, kind of. I had a visual of her like in the vinyl living room, like who th- threw up all over the carpet or something. Well, he said, I'm at the bar and the dog threw up everywhere. And then I was thinking, well, it's 21 and over. And so where's the kid? Right. He's I was outside. really confused. He's and I thought you went bar. to Green Lake. Right. But I was going to visit, I was trying to do the right thing here. And I'm trying to balance all these things, picking up wine. Walking my kid and the dog around a park and then visiting our friends who happened to be our business partners and got to visit my bar as an extra. So we load everybody up. I get spotted one more time as I'm crossing the street. Load the car. I've got the wine. We've cleaned the vomit out of the thing. I've got the gloves thrown away. I'm, I'm still kind of covered in vomit, but I clean myself up. We go to our partner's place, get to see them. They have two cats. They wanted to see our dog. And by the end of that excursion... The cat took a chunk out of my kid's leg, just slices him right open. He's bleeding everywhere, and the whole event ended in blood, and uh, I drove him home. It was only 2 p.m. when we got home, by the way. Later at 5 o'clock, we went back to the bar because Amy and I own the bar and have and to we go to the to bar. Drink, and you needed to drink. And I needed to drink, and I ended the night nicely. And then the next morning, this morning, I was feeling like, okay, we're going to start over, you know? That was a lot. And the dog trots in the room, gives me a big old look, and then throws up all over my pants. Hey, 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 it's the doctor and the DJ, doctor and the DJ. Hey, 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 it's the doctor and the DJ, doctor and the DJ. On today's Doctor and the DJ podcast, we are going to be featuring the music of Japanese rock band Chai. Their new album is called Wink. It is out on the Sub Pop record label where they signed in 2020. Speaking of Sub Pop, we have CEO Megan Jasper as the guest this week. We are also going to learn about a not-to-do list, how to have goals, and how to take breaks. We also dig deep into diet culture, and our word of the day is fuck shit. And Amy, one other thing we're going to talk about is... Mental health is physical health, and physical health is mental health. Okay, I need Amy here. Amy, um, stop the dinner or the laundry or whatever you're... I don't know what you're doing now. I, I set us up. Are you here? Yeah? Amy. What? Get in here. We're doing sorry. the podcast. Yeah, no, sorry. I'm, I'm making pesto. 
Making, oh, nice. Pesto. Yeah, I was making pesto. That's nice. I thought you were in the next door because we have, oh, I don't know, 18 days worth of laundry piled <laughs> up in there. And you know, doing laundry is not hard. I, I Folding it and putting it away is hard. Do you know why I put the laundry on the bed? Because then we have to do it to go to sleep. I've, I've thrown that shit on the floor before and just gone to sleep. In my old days, I would do that and just sleep and just push the laundry over and then and cuddle. And then sleep in yeah, and would, cuddle with I the would, laundry. I would cuddle with the laundry. That's kind of nice. Well, as long as the dog's not throwing up on it's it. It's very lonely. Yeah, that, that was just, it was a day. And I was just, that was just yesterday, by the way. All of that true. That all happened. Today, I don't think was as crazy, but we had, you know, I had to plan my radio show. You had to do some doctoring stuff. And then we sat down and we, in the middle of it, decided um, we got to regroup. And we got to focus on how we're going to get through the next few months. No, I, I like to sit down and focus on the forest. You know how people say, oh, you can't see the forest through the trees. That literally is a thing. Like, I like to sit down and come up with priorities. Like, all the different things in our life that we have going on. We've got parenting. We have the bar. We've got the podcast. We've got uh, my medical practice. You've got your radio show. Well, I know that I'm missing something. There's well, something else in there. A lot of people have reached out when they saw that we launched this podcast. Our marriage. And they have we said- We got to date each other. <laughs> they have said, <laughs> you, you, you're a doctor and you're a DJ, which by the way, they nailed it, name of the podcast. Um, you got the dog, you got the kid, the dog usually comes next. You got the kids, you got the bar, you've got your marriage. Um, how do you do it all? How do you do it all? The stars, they're just like us. We go crazy. <laughs> um and we drink. But other than that, we, I'm kidding, we do sometimes. But um, I wanted to talk a little bit about balance, like how we do juggle all of this. And we don't always do it successfully. But I thought with so many people trying to balance their lives right now and coming out of this pandemic as well, I find it even harder to balance. I keep saying things out loud to you. I just don't have any time for this or just things seem out of balance. I can't keep up with this or this or this. And I thought maybe good to discuss and show we're, we're not superheroes here. We actually um, have had terrible days where we've been completely out of whack. That's true. But I also want to define balance. I think a lot of people think of it as the juggling right? Juggle all the things. And here's what I'm going to say is you've got too many things. And so you got to start saying no. Like I talk about that a lot, like the setting boundaries, say no to opportunities, even that they seem awesome, you know, that maybe you need to say no and like, you know, double down on the things you are doing. Are you saying an actual to not do list? Oh yeah. I say this all the time. Like a no list. Yeah. Like make a to not do list. And, and that can include things like don't whine and complain, you know, or no more negative self-talk oh. or don't go the, down the rabbit hole of, I don't know, fuck shit, right? So, and what I mean by that is sometimes if you're tired and you're not getting enough sleep and you're super stressed out and um, you're trying to balance, like literally trying to juggle way too many things, what happens is, is like we can get kind of cranky and complainy and negative. We as a species, and I, and I can get that way. I thought we were just talking about you and I. Yeah, I mean, but as a species, but you and I can, right? So that's normal. And then there's so much time wasted mm. on going down that rabbit hole. And you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, how much time have you wasted on one person who said a dumb thing on your social media or a relative who did a dumb thing that you think? It's like the arguments you have in the shower. Like, yeah. do, like do you have arguments with people in the shower? 
you're taking a shower and something bothered you, you saw it on social media or somebody texted you something or did something or pissed you off in some way. And then you sit and you go through all the different ways that you would have, I don't know, showed them, right? But this is all in your head in the shower. I see you, you know this, what I'm going to say here, I think. I will see you sitting in a chair, moving your lips and talking to someone. And it's, it's going on. Like it's happening. And, but you're not saying anything out loud. You're just working. And, and I say, hey, Amy, who, who are you working that out with? No. So here's the thing. That's actually not when I'm like having an argument in my head. When I'm doing that, I'm yeah. literally working through a problem. Like I'm working through something. That's similar though. That's similar. And I'm talking yeah. through it like in my, and I don't realize I'm moving my mouth, but. <laughs> I love it so much. I, I mean this in the best way. At your funeral, because we're pretty sure you're going to die first. I, I, <laughs> she asked me one day. I don't know if you're like, in the, Who do you think's going to die first? And, and you're like, oh, you definitely. Oh, it was way too quick. And I was like, I was like, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought I might have said it too quick. Uh, you know, I should have paused. Oh, sweetie. I hope it's me. No, no. I said, no, it's totally you. It's going to be you. And then she says, yeah, you're right. So anyway, at your funeral, that so you is. say this, like when I die. That's, you're gonna... that's a story I would tell how I move my lips. Yeah, but now I have it recorded so I know what the hell you were talking about. Anyway, back to balance. Right, sorry. You got to say no more, mm-hmm. right? And then you got to do this thing, like look at the forest. Like what really are the big goals, right? Like we did this exercise this morning where we were like, for summer, mm-hmm. what are the actual priorities for the kids? Right, like, not, not just busy work. Not what, busy work, just, just keep... like what's what's the goal? Like last year during um, lockdown, I had these goals for Henry. I was like, he's, he needs to learn how to ride a bike because we were way slow on that. And I was like, he's got to learn how to ride a bike. He needs to learn how to tie his shoes. And he's got to transition from taking a bath in my bathtub to taking a shower in the bathroom he shares with his brother. Yeah, God. Get them out of our bathroom. Sequestered in their own bathroom. Very, very pro tip for you parents. <laughs> but those, like, those were my goals. Yeah. And then I'm like, and if he learns something with my shitty homeschooling, great. But <laughs> so today we, we were doing that. Like, what are the goals for the kids? And it was like two things each, right? What are my goals for me and my business? It's like the, like really getting down to the priority, right? And then you can set your busy work around your priorities. But I think what people do is they're just like pedaling, 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 running on those hamster wheels and doing their schedules and calendars and busying themselves. And they've forgotten that priority, even if the priority is something personal. Like my dad was dying. Oh my God, I didn't even think I was going to bring this up. And I just got all teary. While I was trying to graduate from medical school. Mm-hmm. So I took an extra quarter to graduate. Like all my colleagues graduated before me mm-hmm. and I, I was still there. I was kind of like, I, ha- I had a few people like, Oh, what are you still doing here that you graduated? Right. Oh man. Yeah. Wrong, wrong question to ask. Yeah. And I, cause my prior, I was like, my dad is dying. Mm-hmm. Like the time I spend with him is the most important time right now. doesn't matter. I will eventually graduate from medical school and I will be a doctor and it's going to be fine. You know? So it's like, do the priorities first, then fill in your schedule. Like who does that anymore? It's a lesson you've tried to tell me as well. Like you need three things you need to get done this week. And what I run into is I could pick three things from each, <laughs> three things in the bar need to get done, three things in, in my show need to get done, three things in the podcast need to get done, three things in my pair need to get done. Um, but even narrowing it down to the three things in each subject has been great. 
like it may end up being 12 things for me. That's just my life right now, but it's also teaching me that I need to take some things out of the busyness. Yeah. And, and overwhelmed people get really overwhelmed and then you can't take action. So we had this experience at the bar, our crew down there, they're pretty overwhelmed because we're a little short staffed. We just opened back up after being closed. There's a lot going on. And I go down to the storage unit and it's like a disaster, but that's because during the pandemic and closing down, we were just shoving shit down there. And I got overwhelmed for just a second. And then I was like, well, what can I do right this minute? I can do this. I can do that. I can bring this vinyl from upstairs and bring it down here. And like, it made a huge difference. Yeah. I got to throw away our shitty uh, Christmas tree that we had. Uh, We went to a thrift store last minute when we first had the bar and it, Felt liberating because that was a temporary thing. And then it just sat in the storage. It takes up a lot of space. And that just means this year, maybe we can get a nicer one post-pandemic when we have some money and put it up there. So it, it actually made me feel kind of cleansed. Yeah, and it was, yeah, it was just a, like a simple, yeah. just like take some kind of action. Yeah. There is always something you can do so, in, in the in the paralysis of being overwhelmed. So you're overwhelmed. There's, you're trying to balance everything. You, you're, you're saying no to some things, even how and you, notice some people well notice that's kind of how i take it I, I was struck a little bit because we've talked a little bit about the the not to do list and i um i was struck what you said about say no to ways of thinking so saying no to people is a big one for me and projects i get hit up a lot to do a lot of things and a lot of them are like they're really nice in there they help the community in a lot of cases or it's um something that will help our family be it financially or Um, to just make me think I'm going to better myself. But the thing is, if I say yes to all those things and, and I'm so stressed out because, you know, I've been really stressed out as of late. Like I just have let this get to me. It actually is manifested physically in me, Mm -hmm. which is a thing. Everyone, um, I'm not the doctor. You know that health is physical health. Physical health is mental health. I've seen this doctor repeat after me. This doctor Lindsay posts this on her Instagram. It's amazing, Um, and I follow it because she's my wife. And um, that happened to me. And so I'm no good to help anybody if I can't take care of myself and say no to some things. So this is a huge lesson. I, I think it's really important. We should talk more about it in the future. Goals, another one. But set those goals, make sure they're bigger priority goals. And it's the like forest. like each week, right? What's the forest? Like you you, you got to be able to zoom out for a minute. You should start the week maybe. Sunday. It's Sunday when we're doing this podcast right now. We had our meeting earlier today. <laughs> yeah. John and I have meetings. Yeah. Have a meeting with your partner. I, I don't know many couples who actually do that. I'm surprised. Like, I don't be, I think, I guess I'm surprised because it's the only way we could ever get through this life together is if we weren't planning. We have meetings. We're business partners. We're, we're going to have the meeting after the sex. Yeah. Before we make breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) We'll put it in the Googleies. (laughs) Well, here's the problem too with balance. Last night, uh, truth be told, after the bar and before the dog threw up all over my pants. We had awesome sex. We did. It was pretty great. And we were up a little late having a couple of cocktails. And uh, I don't know why I'm hesitating here. Having each other's tail. (laughs) (laughs) Having some cocktails and some cock and tails. And wow, that is gold star. (laughs) That is just some fine. You got to laugh. Well, hey, I'm a radio guy. So this is fantastic that I can talk like this. And we had just, you know. Just some amazing, like cock and tail animals. <laughs> it was, uh, we're going way too deep in the. Oh, okay, that's terrible. We're going. <laughs> we're going into great that's detail. What, 
And and so I woke up this morning very tired. From all the sex things. From not getting enough sleep, yes. And physically, I put out a lot of effort. And also... <laughs> Which I appreciate. From Yeah, well, I'm here. Um, <laughs> I'm here for me and you. Um, and then the drinks had their effect too. But I wouldn't trade that for the world. But then I'm trying to get through my morning. And then it's fa- not family meeting time. It, it's John and Amy's corporation meeting. <laughs> and so we met... John and Amy biz time. But here's what we did afterwards. I spent an hour starting to clean up some things and get some things done that are high on my list. I, I'm pointing at a notepad nobody can see. But I had these like things I had to get done with our kids. Just making some calls, filling out some forms, things like that. I got that done. It felt so much better. And so when I went to starting to plan my show, which I do on Sundays, it just float and it felt great. And I got my run in, I'm training for a marathon. So that's another thing I've added. So to get those goals down and to follow just a few, and then to really feel good about yourself when you do that would be another one. Is there anything else about balance? Do you think people, um, Mm -hmm. might help? um, Yeah. A big one. Okay. You have to take breaks and you have to rest and you have to schedule that or you won't do it. Schedule breaks and rest. Yeah. Absolutely. Take entire days off, entire afternoons off, call in sick to work. Mm-hmm. I do. So, you know, I'm, I hustle pretty hard. And some days I'll wake up and I won't have any patients scheduled that day. It's never on a day I have patients scheduled. I usually can um, show up for them. But sometimes I'll be like, nope, I'm not going to be productive. I'm not actually going to do my best work. I'm not actually, you know, I, I, I try to think of, of my life as showing up in service as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, it doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes I feel like I'm showing up for a bunch of just fuck shit that I have to do. But if you show up in service or if you show up trying to be your best self and give 100% of yourself, you have got to take care of yourself 100%. Full ass. That's what I say. You're, it's the full ass club. You show up 100%, you rest up 100%. And if you can't show up 100%, you need a shit ton of rest. You are probably way spread then. Um, I, I totally agree with you. I actually took some time off recently because I had hit my breaking point and I, I was, or I was close to feeling like I was going to hit my break. I should say that. I was on the verge of it. And so I took a lot of time. I took like 10, for me, 10 days off where I really took some time off mm-hmm. and it, it was so good. We went down to California for a few days. Um, it was really nice. I mean, I got away for the first time in a year and a half because <laughs> of the pandemic and it, it just totally changed things for me. I was eating at a restaurant again, which was nice. And we're having these long conversations. We walk on the beach, just, you know, total what you would swam in the ocean. Yeah, what you'd picture us to, uh, well, don't picture that, but what you'd picture us on the beach, just like that was us. And it was great. Um, and I can't recommend that one enough. And then within that, the break part of it, I, I actually posted a picture of me on my electric bike, uh, my rad power bike with my kid. I have a cargo bike. So it's one of those bigger bikes. I just love it. And my kid, I pick him up from school on that thing and he sits on the back. And then I got a dog carrier for the front. <laughs> Because my friend Scott at work uh, at KXP, he's, oh, you got to get the dog carrier. So I'm like, sure, why not? So um, I got this dog carrier and it wasn't on the bike. So I was having a day and I decided, you know, I got home and I was, I was hurrying. I was, I was doing a bunch of stuff and I was going to roll up in the car. And I don't think I picked him up once in the car this year. It's always been on the bike because he loves it. He just, you know, his dad shows up, he hops on the bike, we fly. Um, and so I got home with like 10 minutes to spare and I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to pick him up on the bike. And, and then I look, I thought, you know what would make his day? 
and mine is to have a dog on the front, like ET. You know, how ET is in the thing, in the basket. the basket in the front of the the bike. That was my dog. So I got the basket. I put the dog in there. She didn't know what the hell was going on. You can hear in the background. And then, uh, and then I headed out, and it felt great to to be on the bike. And then I picked my kid up, and he was so excited to see this. D- <laughs> this dog roll up uh, at his school and the kids freaked out. Everyone was psyched. So the moral of that story was I stopped and was in the moment. I took a moment for my kid, for my dog. And you know what ended up happening? Of course, it was for me. I totally felt better because I made this kid happy. I made this dog happy and I ended up making myself happy. Someone wrote me uh, and I wrote a big post about parents and dads being more patient with themselves when they're trying to balance everything. Got a lot of response. And one guy wrote me and said, man, I needed to hear this. I've just been just not a great parent today or this week. Not just not a great mate, just really not a great human. And I just wrote him back and said, look, you can turn this around anytime. Just take 10 or 15 minutes for your kid. Ask them, say, hey, what would you like to do? And the thing is, sometimes they'll ask you to do a very long, like if they say, hey, let's play Monopoly, run the other way. That's like two hours of your life. You're never going <laughs> to get back. No, that's days. Yeah, that's exactly. When Henry and I play Monopoly, talk about having to like not get overwhelmed and piecemeal it. I'm like, <laughs> we're going to play for 20 minutes today. There you go. And then we're going to leave the board out. Thank you. And then we'll play 20 minutes on Wednesday. That's all you have to do. And if you think back, if you have a memory, I had a really involved parent and then a really absent parent. And so when I think back with my involved parent, and hopefully you had one, you're going to remember those few minutes where they took time for you. They're going to, you're going to remember where they took a break and it ends up helping you. So my advice is at any time during a really stressed out, unbalanced time in your life, if you just stop, maybe it's meditation for 10 minutes, maybe it's your kid for 15. If you just take that, you can turn the entire thing around. A C D I O N. more music from Japanese band Chai on the Sub Pop label. And a perfect segue to our guest, Megan Jasper, CEO of Sub Pop Records. Megan is a hero here in this city. We just just love Megan. Megan's our neighbor. She's our neighbor as well. She's in my bike gang. It's her, her husband, Brian, me, and my eight-year-old. That's right. Right. We're Tears for Gears, I believe. I tears for Gears? Tears for Gears? I think so. There were some dirtier names, but we... Haven't approved those yet. Um, so Megan, um, we've known for years. I first interned at Sub Pop Records a hundred years ago, and it is just an absolute pleasure to talk to you today, Megan. I'm so happy to be here, and I'm so psyched to chat with you guys. It's good to keep it in the uh, West Seattle house as well. Oh yeah. How long have you been in West Seattle? Uh, I think just over twenty years. And how how long have you been in Seattle proper? I've been in Seattle for. 31 or two years since 1989. I, not, not to date you, but how, how old were you when you moved over to Seattle? Um, I was three. <laughs> <laughs> um, I came to Seattle when I think I was 21 when I moved here. What brought you here? I was on tour with Dinosaur Jr. And I was trying to figure out where I wanted to move. And 
We stopped in Seattle. They had a show at the Central Tavern with the Screaming Trees and Tad. The show was amazing. It's a good show. And I had the best time. I met Susan Silver was the promoter. I met Susan. I met John and Bruce. I knew the the trees because they had played a ton of shows with Dinosaur. Um, so I knew a couple of people. I knew Chris D'Aquino. And I just thought, you know, I think I could live in Seattle. So did you have it in your mind when you were hitting these other cities? This Were you checking it out like, oh, Cleveland, maybe, or Portland, sure. And was did Seattle just win? Yeah, Seattle won. And yes, it was totally in my mind. And really, I thought maybe it was going to be LA or San Francisco, but probably San Francisco. And But I didn't totally connect with San Francisco the way I thought I would. I enjoyed LA and thought, man, that could be fun. But when I came to Seattle, it actually felt like home immediately. Amy, didn't you have that same experience? Yeah, I I was... Um... <laughs> a little different, though. A little you weren't different. on tour. I wasn't on tour, but my brothers and my boyfriend at the time, they wanted to go to some dead shows in the Pacific Northwest. And I wasn't somebody who like followed the dead or anything, even though John loves to bring that up is like, I followed the dead. Yeah, she's a deadhead. She no, went to, she went definitely to more than one not. show. I went to more than one show. That's true. But we <laughs> went to Seattle and we went to Portland and Eugene. And uh, I had that same feeling when I was in Seattle for the dead show, not necessarily because of the dead, but just being in Seattle, I was like, oh my gosh, I could live here. I came over to see Pixies at uh, the Moore Theater. That was one of my first shows I've ever been to. And I remember getting in line and not understanding how this many people knew who the Pixies were. Oh, that's amazing. So before I was on this tour with Dinosaur Jr., we were um, on tour in Europe and Dinosaur Jr. would get to a city and it was always the night after the Pixies played and it was the Surfer Rosa tour. Oh. And every single venue we stopped in, every all anyone wanted to talk about was the Pixies. <laughs> and, and those guys were like, oh, my God, it's just all about the Pixies. And then the next thing we knew, we would put the Pixies in the um, cassette player in the van, and it was just constant. Yeah, without Pixies, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be on the air. I, I don't. Well, I, maybe I would have found another entry point, but it, it definitely was an entry point for me. And really quick, just on a, since Dinosaur Junior has just been brought up, the new record is fucking good. I mean, it is like early '90s Dinosaur Junior, my favorite version of Dinosaur Junior, and the songs are great. And Lou Barlow, I had to look at the the song they just released. I had to look up the video to make sure that was really Dinosaur Junior I was listening to because I just wasn't expecting Lou to, on the vocals. And um, and Kurt Vile's involved with the record, and it's just great. It's fucking good. It's a really really good record. You know, they finished it a while back and uh, Jay sent it over and I kept listening to it. And I was like, I said to Brian, like, this is, they get better and better, that band. I swear to God. I agree. And I think of all the people who will discover Dinosaur Jr. and then work backwards. That's kind of what I did when I got to a certain point of music. You know, like when you discover, um, 
Like I liked Love and Rockets, so I had to work backwards and discover Bauhaus. You know, and then you work. I loved New Order, so I worked backwards to discover Joy Division. And you think, like, yeah. oh man, you're gonna go down some Jade solo records and Lou Barlow stuff, and then Folk Implosion. And I get so excited for people who discover a band that's been around that's so good that has this back catalog and story. I, I I've seen it happen, so I, I it makes me happy. The sad part of it is when like someone like my son was listening to, to KEXP and he heard um, Nirvana and I was like, yeah, this is incredible. I know. Right. And he goes, yeah, well, what are they doing now? I'm like, well, well, you know, Kurt, Kurt died. And, uh, you know, then later in the set, the DJ plays joy division. He's like, well, I like this too. Did anything happen to that guy? I'm like, uh, yeah. So in his mind, all in one day discovered his favorite bands and discovered they're dead and there's no more music that's going to be made. So there also is that road. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not a great road to go down. But but there is, you know, there's so much good music and sadly there's also so much good music from people who really struggle. So Megan, you you've been a sub pop for a few years since you've been here in Seattle and what was your what, do you remember apply do you apply to sub pop back then? Do you just ask ask the, those just guys show for up. a job? Did you, yeah, did you <laughs> just show keep up? Showing That's up? That's how I got a radio gig. I just kept showing up till they <laughs> t- they they just took me. So what what was it that sent you there? I guess you met those guys at that show, John and Bruce, but where was the next step? So I met them at the show and they said to me, I said, Hey, I, I might move out here. And they said, well, if you do come on down, um, visit us at work. And so I did, I went back to Northampton. I, it was a few months before I moved out here, but, um, I landed in Seattle and I ended up, uh, going into the sub pop office, my first full day in Seattle and it was so crazy busy when I walked in. It was like chaos everywhere. Ton of records all over the floor. People trying to mail things. <laughs> um, like the four or five people that worked there just buzzing around like crazy. And Bruce stood in the middle of all the chaos and said, um, do you think you could come back tomorrow? So so I did. And they offered me an internship. And I put a bunch of cat butt records in the mail for college radio people. And then they offered me a job being the receptionist. <laughs> and now the, the next step after receptionist, clearly CEO of Sub Pop Records. <laughs> I mean, that's the <laughs> obvious step, correct? Yeah, they were desperate. There was nothing in between. <laughs> you just, it was your receptionist. And one day they came in and I said, hey, we need someone to run things. She seems nice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. She seems nice. She's willing to clean the bathroom when we need it. CEO. Yeah. I'm taking away all of your skills and all of your work. It's convenience sake. No, I mean, you've been there long enough and clearly worked your ass off. I saw that you all celebrated, was it 33 years? It was. And the tagline was going out of business for 33 years. And yes. I thought that was interesting because I, I know the history of Sub Pop, but maybe people listening to this right now don't know that there was some sketchy years where you almost went out of business and you were working there at that time. What do you think that was about? And then how did it turn around? The beautiful thing about Sub Pop is that it was founded by and has always been run by people who aren't, you know, business graduates from college. 
there are people who love music, music fans, music has changed all of our lives. And so it's, it's the passion that has brought people to that label and, or to, to so many small businesses. It's like, you have a passion to like bring people together or, you know, whatever the vision is and what that means for better and for worse is that you end up having to learn really hard lessons. So, and and it's all shit that you just could never see coming, but you know, everything is a lesson and some of the things you do end up working really, really well. And some of them just flop miserably. And, um, and I would say in almost every situation, that's kind of why we almost went out of business so many times we had, we had people who cared so much trying to make things work, but, you know, we were all trying to figure out, you know, especially Bruce and John, like, how do you keep a company together? How do you run a company? How do you do right by the artists and your employees and the community that you're participating in? I mean, we all learned by trying things. They put themselves out there and clearly did make some mistakes. We all do. Uh, and they did. How, how did they deal with that? I always see, I guess may, it might just be where I'm looking or reading in the past, but it always feels like I don't hear from them, but I definitely heard from some people who were not happy with some of those decisions. How did they deal with that? They they dealt with it as best as they were able. Like, And, and Bruce and Jonathan are such different personalities. Yeah. I think, you know, Bruce had an immediate tendency to just kind of like try to turn it into humor and like make a shirt. Um, Jonathan, it kind of made him like dig down a little deeper and try to like dig his way out. Um, and it actually was kind of a great combination. The, the both responses, Bruce going straight to kind of humor to try to maybe even deflect in some way and Jonathan kind of like digging down and trying to fix some shit. Um, but I can tell you it, it really ate at them and there's no way that's easy when everyone turns on you and you're on the cover of the city's weeklies, you know, flip flopped or whatever the hell it said. (laughs) Oh, I've been there. Yeah. They, I mean, they really had to hold on Yeah, and and it's, it's still astounding to me that especially in those early days that they never folded and especially Jonathan, because, you know, Bruce did eventually split, but JP never folded. Yeah. That says a lot about, you know, perseverance for something you love and you care about. Even if you do go to school and get those degrees and whatever, I think what happens is that the hard knocks of life are the real classroom, right? And I think that happens to a lot of people, you know, that um, they have an idea, they are inspired, they're passionate, and then they go to put it out into the world and they're faced with a lot of hard knocks. And it says a lot about people who keep going even when they fail and like pivoting and figuring out what they need to do. You can't take things personally to the point of being paralyzed by it. Like you kind of have to choose a path. And I think sometimes the bravest thing we can do or like the strongest thing we can do is sometimes just like take a step forward. And and really it's the only thing that matters is like getting up 
grabbing that cup of coffee, that's your step forward. Taking a sip like that says, I'm going to start my day. I'm going to do this. Doesn't matter how hard it is. I'm going to face it. And um, that that's bravery. Yeah, showing up. Showing up. I remember you telling me a story about an event Sub Pop was producing and you had to show up and meet with the people you had to meet with. And they kept saying, yeah, I'm supposed to meet with the Sub Pop CEO. And you kept saying, she's right here. It's me. And they kept saying, well, no, I mean, I'm, I, I was emailing with the Sub Pop CEO. I'm supposed to be meeting with this with CEO, him. With, with, him. with him, with him. I'm supposed to be meeting with him. <laughs> and you're like, she's right here. And so I know that you experienced that sort of sexism in that moment. But what has that been like uh, for you as a woman in the music industry that is predominantly male? I mean, there's a lot of awesome women in the music industry, but you're a CEO of a major record label. And even in this day and age, we're like, no, I, 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 I'm looking for him. You know, it's funny because I spent so many years not thinking about it. And just really trying to just focus on what I could focus on, focus on doing good things, focus on trying to be there for our artists, our employees. But, you know, it's hard not to think about this stuff, especially these past few years. I am such a total late bloomer with so many things and, and, Although I've always identified as a feminist, I would say my feminism has changed so much in the past few years, and I am more mindful of that stuff right now. But I would also say that I am grateful to be in an environment where I am way less impacted by that shit than so many other women. I mean, we we are a caring and progressive bunch, and... Uh, we have artists who are are pretty enlightened beings, and I am so fucking grateful for that. That said, it does exist. It exists everywhere. And although I don't feel like I ever totally allow myself to like fall victim to anything, um, I am really mindful of trying to show up for other women in a different kind of way. And uh, and when we, young women contact me and want to meet up or talk or whatever, I always try to make time to do that because I do think that we need to um, put a lot of time and strength and energy into young women coming up in this industry, but really everywhere. Um, but yeah, I've had my moments for sure. Um, thankfully, I've probably had fewer of them than a lot of other women. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, been so many stories as of late of male artists and how they've treated others and how a lot of their victims are women in the music industry or in other bands. And, you know, it it it's it feels like, oh, all this is now happening. Well, no, the, the people feel that they can talk about it now that it's happening. But I'm sure that's been um, on your mind when, when you're signing bands, when you're working with groups and you're looking around at people who are very vulnerable um, to yeah. those kind of people. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, we have a good number of women working at the label. So it's like you, you want to make sure that everyone is having a good experience. And I'm not just, I don't mean that like 
women are the only ones who can be impacted by something, but yeah, you don't, you just don't want to fucking bring an asshole into the mix. You know? <laughs> That's and, right. And then have to subject people to a fucking asshole. <laughs> I, Nobody wants that. I, and and it, it kills the quality of life. And we spend so many hours at our jobs that, you know, we, we try to spend a fair amount of time getting to know the artists that we bring in because we, we want to create a great situation and experience for them, but also we need to have a good situation and experience for ourselves as well. I mean, we're putting so much time and energy. You guys know this because you have jobs where it's the same thing. You put so much of yourself into what you do. You want it to be good. And that means you want to be around really good people. Um, I, I don't know if it was the Lanigan book or it was the anniversaries. I think the Lanigan book kind of fed into it a little bit. It really hit me how many people have died in our scene. Um, how many artists are dead? How many people who weren't stars either, you know, that everyone didn't know about that passed away? You know, I, I went down this Mia Zapata rabbit hole the, recently as well. And that day, Amy and I just happened to be up on the hill near the bar, you know, right by the comet where she was last seen, you know, and, and I feel this just immense amount of grief um, around so many people who aren't here anymore. And you've been around a lot of those people. You've lost a lot of people, not just um, musicians, but, you know, people, you mentioned Chris Takino earlier and, you, um, and others, Andy, and and others who have, who have passed close to you. Have you put that together in your mind, just how many people uh, you've lost over the years in, in your sort of gravitational pull? Yeah. I mean, I think about that stuff all the time because I think we carry those people with us in a different kind of way. And, or at least maybe this is what I tell myself and it's part of a coping strategy for myself. But, you know, I think when you lose someone that you love so much or, or even someone you may not know so well, but they've had an incredible impact on your life. Um, when you're not able to access that person physically, your access changes because you're, you're basically carrying them in your heart. Like that's the transition is you can't rely on a conversation or an email or a phone call anymore. You have to rely on finding comfort in the essence of who that person was and the impact that they had on your life. And I guess I always just think of it as those are the people I carry in my heart, even though I I carry so many people in my heart, including so many people who are with us today, but it's different. So I guess like when I go running or biking or just walking or whatever, when I'm by myself and I have time to kind of detach from the stuff that we're responsible for, I often think of those folks or I feel like that's my time with them mm. and and I remember them. And and sometimes I do things for them. Like I do triathlons for Chris Aquino because mm. I raise money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And it, it, it feel like it keeps a lot of those memories alive, you know, and and it gives me a, a purpose to continue my friendship with him in a new way. That's really beautiful. Um, you and I were talking out on my deck one day about 
your relationship with like physical fitness and mental health. And you, you kind of touched on it just now, but um, I'd love for you to talk more about your philosophy around that. I guess I should start by saying I've always enjoyed exercise. Like I don't even think of it, of it as exercise. I've always loved running since I was a kid. I've always loved cycling. I've gone through phases where I do one or the other. And then I've had lots of times where I do all of it or I do other sports, soccer, whatever. It's, I like moving my body. It makes me feel good and it, it helps me deal with stress. Um, but when Chris Aquino died, I had a really hard time moving my body afterwards. Like I could do gentle things like walk, but I couldn't really run. I couldn't really bike. I had a hard time. I felt so sluggish in every single way. And I felt similarly uh, when Andy Kotowitz died. I, I, I really felt like I couldn't move for like two or three months. And Andy was at the label. And as, yeah, so Andy Kotowitz was um, my coworker and just a beloved employee yeah. of Sub Pop, and um, and he died so suddenly. And um, and I had a similar experience when my dad passed away. Like I, you know, it's like a heavy energy that you carry around. And I tried really hard after my dad passed away to like not stop moving. I, I felt like I needed to find a way because movement is medicinal for me and it helps me with stress. And so if I'm not able to do it and I'm in a stressful state, like, you know, I don't, I don't know what my outlet is. So I really tried to push myself. And I, I remember getting on my bike, maybe a month or two. Uh, it was like a month after my dad died. And I just remember like, biking along Lake Washington Boulevard. And I had like tears streaming down my face. Like I couldn't even help it. It felt so good to be moving. And it, I felt so alive in that moment and I could feel it helping me. And that I sometimes would have the tendency to not want to do that. Like I, I just was struggling with how my body felt and how my mind felt. And um, but it was kind of a great breakthrough moment for me to know that I can push through it and I can move and it's helpful for me. And, and there's something about just, we talked before about like the ability to move forward. Um, I did a half Ironman once and I, at the very end, I mean, I was running, but really like John <laughs> seen me run. It's like a fucking death shuffle on a good day, but, but really at the end of a half Ironman, like it was like death's death shuffle. So, <laughs> so, and I'm like just struggling. I can see it's like a quarter mile away to the finish line. And I see a coach who was from Alaska and she was with a, a teammate who had battled cancer. And this teammate is, is walking to the finish line. And as I'm running past them, <laughs> running in quotes, uh, the, the coach started cheering me on and the teammate said, just keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. And there was something about hearing that from someone who had battled cancer was on the course to do a half Ironman. It just felt so profound. And I, I think back to that moment because 
I mean, I really think that's what it's all about. So in my own states of grief or, or stress or dealing with any kind of loss, that, that moment comes back to me and I keep, you know, I keep hearing, like, keep moving forward. Like, that's our choice. Yeah. When my dad passed, I, I was going out and seeing him a lot uh, as he battled cancer. And so ironically, like, I wasn't exercising and I wasn't active. And so when he died, I had the same, a very similar feeling. My body was sluggish and I was out of, I was usually always moving and playing ultimate and biking and running and, and playing sports. And um, I remember my friends saying, well, you need to like, just do a marathon, like train for a marathon. I remember saying, yeah, I can't do that. And I immediately stopped and decided, oh, no, I'm, fuck it. I'm going to do that. I'm going to run a marathon. And, um, and I'd never run more than five or six miles. <clears throat> and I trained for that. And I was that same feeling, like just the moving. And when I talk to people about um, running isn't going to heal it, but it sure is going to make you feel better um, as long as you're moving. Yeah, it makes you feel better. And and I think like when you're in that state of just feeling sluggish and down and you feel kind of heavy, um, it's like even just gentle movement, like whether it's yoga or whether it's a walk. But I think it's the thing that is always the most helpful for me is fresh air mm. and movement, breathing in fresh air. It's so much better than being in a gym. Yeah, I have a lot of patients who are, you know, we're always strategizing for the, their health. And one thing that is pervasive in our culture is the toxic conversation about diet and exercise, diet and exercise. And in fact, in my own language, I've tried to start saying nutrition and movement because there's this relationship of like calories in and calories out and trying to look like this and be on that kind of diet and exercise this way for to look like this. And it's so toxic yeah. and it's so much failing us as human beings. And, you know, when I think of you and when I see you as a friend and a colleague and a role model, I've always thought of you as someone who's just doing your thing and doing it in a way that's beneficial to you. I've never like interacted with you as another woman in, in a conversation about dieting, which is interesting to me because it's so pervasive in our culture that most women I come into contact with, whether they're my friends or patients or family members, there's always this concept and there's always this like diet someone's trying or trying to lose weight or we relate to each other like, oh, you look great. Did you lose weight? Which drives me nuts. By the way, if you ever compliment me, don't compliment my weight. <laughs> and I've never gotten that from you. And I just wonder like, how did you sail by diet culture and not get in that trap? Well, well did you get in the trap and then you got out? You know, I, so when I was a kid, I was like the super scrumball kid at school. Um, my sister and I were like, we looked like the wind would just like knock us over. You know, we had long arms and long legs and, and we were tall. So we just were kind of crazy looking. And when I was in college, I mean, I was pretty, I was a pretty skinny kid for so much time. And that's, 
but you know, it's like your body stops growing and you kind of start filling out. And I would definitely say I had like, I had to figure out just how to adjust things, but I always was active. And so, um, and I've, I've been a vegetarian for 40 something years now. So I kind of have always had a healthy diet, um, kind of in quotes, because when I was in high school, um, every day I had a glass of orange juice for breakfast, nothing for lunch, cookies right after school, a can of frosting on the way home, and then like a fucking ice cream afterwards, and then a, and then a salad, and then I'd go running. But um, I didn't know how to eat healthy. Like I didn't, I just didn't know. I, I had to learn all of that shit kind of on my own, like what I like to eat, what tasted good for me, it was always vegetarian food. And I, I love fruits and vegetables and shit like that. I also like pizza, but, um, I, I don't have a scale. I don't want to get caught up in that shit. I, I'm sure I weigh more than I think I weigh at all times, but, um, you know, if I feel good, it's the most important thing to me. If I fit in my clothes, that's a good feeling. If I stop fitting in my clothes, which sometimes happens a little bit, it's like, you know, that kind of tells me that maybe I'm not working out as much as I normally do, or I'm making some weird choices, but I am good with moderation for the most part. And, and I truly go by how I feel. And if I feel good, I just am good. I'm never going to be the skinny kid that I was when I was younger. And I also don't think I'll ever be the person that really has like a real weight problem to deal with. So, you know, I, if I feel good, it's all okay. Yeah. You know, I try to tell people this, that that's what matters and that it's actually harmful for people and for doctors to give people like weight stigma because the number on the scale does not equal health. There's no actual evidence to that. And it's actually true that over 60% of people will get their stigma about their weight from their doctor, which is just fucking crazy to me as a doctor, because that's not what it's about. Yeah, maybe you should be eating some more foods that have lots of zinc in them to help, you know, with different processes in your body and whatnot. So nutrition does play a role. But this concept of weight, it's fucked up. You know, it's really <laughs> and you can be super healthy and be not at like a conventional quote weight or size. Right. And so it's just, man, I just, it's a really weird thing. And I've never known what weight I'm supposed to be, honestly, but, um, I don't pay that any mind. I, I don't care. And I, I love not having a scale. Um, because I just, I, I just want to feel good and I, and I do want to be healthy. You know, I care a lot about being healthy. Also, sometimes I want a fucking pizza. That's right. <laughs> that is right. You know, and that's what I tell people. It's like the mental health struggle you give someone by giving them that stigma. Like where's, where's the barometer of giving someone a stigma about that? But yeah, um, I, it's also a short-term fix. Like, and and I'm not a fan of that for anything. Like, I'm not a fan of that unless you're like 
about to bleed to death, then it's like <laughs> right. short-term immediate. Like, yeah, yeah. The short-term fix is it's a shit fix. It's never going to be sustainable. I'd rather like take the longer route and get to where I need to be than take a fucking shortcut that's going to set me back anyways. It's not worth it. <clears throat> this entire conversation reminds me of two things I want to bring up. Um, one is swearing and, t- and two, um, I, I've known Megan for many years now, uh, and full disclosure, we have many, our lives intertwine in many good ways. I have to say I'm involved in all my like favorite things and Megan's there, you know, like she's on the board at KXP. We, uh, work on smooch together, our children's hospital, uh, benefit work, uh, what, 10 years into this thing now, yes. um, uh, Megan and I and Pete Nordstrom and Brandy Nordstrom, it's a children's benefit show we do every year. And we can talk a little bit more about that. Um, and then our exercise, we run together, we run Ragnar, which is a relay race and we all pile in a van together and it's awesome. And some of my favorite memories are of Megan and when you, me in the middle of the night, trying to get on some fucking road and this just, it's just the best, right? The best. And I think about this, like I swear a lot and you get, you are known for this. And I never ask you really about it because I feel like people make a big deal of it. And for me, people who swear are the most comfortable people in their own skin that I know because they don't give a shit. They're just being themselves. They're not trying to be something to someone else. Like when you guys were talking about weight and exercise and just feeling you want to feel it, it hit me. I just think you're so comfortable in who you are because I've been in meetings with you where I've seen people like flinch a little because they're just not prepared for, <laughs> for some of the things because you're not just, a, you don't just swear, you're a creative, really a maestro, a Picasso of swearing, like the, the words that you have put together. And that's just when I've randomly been in the room are just amazing. And so I don't know if they're thrown off that you're swearing or just, just how good you are at it. You have got to have been in rooms though, where you're being yourself and you're being comfortable and you've dropped some amazing swear word and just gotten like, what? I mean, that's had to happen to you. Yeah. I think that happens a fair amount. I, I'm good at editing myself when I need to. And yeah. around kids, like I really don't want to subject uh, kids to it that's unless good. I know that they're subjected to it anyways. And they don't give a fuck. Like our well, kids. Smart house. Yeah, you, yeah. Have, you have to worry yeah. over here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, you know, sometimes it just fucking flies out and there's nothing you can do about it. When I swear, it's never in a gross, aggressive, scary way. Like that's not how I communicate, you know, like negative feelings, but, um, it's always, you know, just normal chit chat. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, seriously, if your biggest hang up is that I'm dropping some fucking F bombs, seriously, Come on. Did you see the, there was a story about, uh, they did a study on people who swear. They're, they, they're basically more intelligent than people who don't swear. Like there's, <laughs> I, I don't know how much research went into it. I didn't need to read the whole thing. I just saw that one. Yep. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, I need all the help I can get. So if that's all it takes is. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> also, when you're working out and you, you're hitting that point where it's like, you know, you can keep going, but your body is telling you to stop or your mind is telling you to stop and you have to push through. I swear my way through it and, you know, it gets you there. Yeah. So, so the quote, you know, just, I'm putting this all together. Just keep going should be just keep fucking going. 
Yes. <laughs> Keep fucking going forward. <laughs> hey, maybe I'll, I wanted to touch on this before I forget. Um, there's like a big retail thing. And can you update me? I saw it. I read a little bit about it. But I don't know the state of it, but could you tell me what that is and where it's at as well? Yeah, it's kind of great. So it's um, it's on Seventh Ave, Seventh and Blanchard, and it's really close to the um, spheres, and um, and really close to like Rachel's Ginger Beer. It used to be Glassy Baby, oh, um, but Glassy Baby moved into a bigger space nearby, and so it's basically a huge glass box. <laughs> it looks like an aquarium. And, um, and we were lucky enough to be able to take it over. So it's a really cool space and it's really pretty. And if you go in there, Frankie, the, um, Frenchie is probably there with, uh, Rachel who runs the shop. Was that the dog in the 33rd birthday picture that you got? Yes. Oh, that's a great dog. Oh my God. That dog is so damn cute. I can't even handle it people so people go into the store looking for the dog all the time is frankie here oh yeah <laughs> we we know you as a big dog yes person a bitch as you know yes, 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 yes we know you <laughs> as a bitch if you know megan and brian brian they are like the next two names that come out of your mouth are yogi and pickles yogi That's and pickles right. Yeah, we sign like all our cards are from like Megan, Brian, Yogi, and Pickles. Um, but I fucking love those dogs. I I love every dog. I think they're the best things in the world. And your damn dog is so goddamn cute. I can't even handle it. Your your you and Brian's love of your pets is is had influence on us about getting a dog. Just the joy and what they give back to you, and how you talk about that. How how it de-stresses you and, and what, what was it for you? Was it, was it these dogs or did it, did it come earlier? You know, I, I grew up with old English sheep dogs, so I've always loved dogs and our dog that we had stowaway growing up was the one common denominator that we all shared in the family. I mean, I, we loved each other, but we all made each other crazy at home but we all agreed that stowaway was awesome. So like name. that was the thing. Yeah. Stowaway. He was stowed away as a puppy. Um, and so he came with the name. We got him when he was two years old. He was such an awesome dog, super gentle and fluffy. He was the shaggy DA dog. But um, I, so I always knew I wanted dogs after college and all of that. I never had that thing where I felt like I had to have a kid Um, but I definitely had the thing where I knew I needed to get a dog. And so instead of thinking like, at at what point am I, can I be a responsible parent? I always thought like, at what point is it responsible for me to get a dog? And I, I ended up finding a cat that was abandoned. I didn't, I didn't even like cats. I was afraid of them, but I, I couldn't leave the cat. So I brought the cat home, had the Murphy or marshmallow for two years. I'm sorry. What? Back up. What? Murphy O Marshmallow. Murphy like, O oh. Marshmallow. Okay. It's a little white fluff nutter. Okay. And um, but Murphy had a bad heart and killed over. <laughs> and three weeks later, two and a half weeks later, Leslie Hardy from the Murder City Devils, she calls me and says, Megan, what are you doing? I was like, Not much. It was a Saturday. Get over here. I got something for you. 
I'm like, fuck, what, what's Leslie got for me? So I drove over to where she lived on Capitol Hill and I walked out with this little chihuahua, Vito Pepperoni. Oh, Vito. And, and I fucking loved Vito. Oh. I didn't think I was a small dog person, but you know, I, I never had that moment of like, it's okay for me to have a dog now, but it just happened. And Vito was the best gift I've ever been given. I just, I loved that dog. I had him for 14 years and when Vito split, he also had a bad heart and he was a total shithead to children and most people in general. But God, <laughs> I love that damn dog. But but after Vito, we were like, God, it would be great to have a dog that likes people and we don't have to hide the dog from human beings. <laughs> and so like shortly after we got Yogi Bear Claw. <laughs> Yo, I'm sorry. That's the full name is Yogi Bearclaw, correct? And before that, we had Vito Pepperoni. You Vito scored at home. Yeah. What's Murphy? What's Murphy Marshmallow? What was the Murphy O Marshmallow? Murphy O Marshmallow. Apostrophe capital M. Got it. And it all started with Stowaway back and then in your, the day. Then your next dog will just be yeah. What? It's Stan. the full name of <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Steve. Steve. Yeah. <laughs> With pickles, we just call her pickles, but really she's the pickle power. Okay. That checks out. Okay. Pickle power yeah. sounds better. Okay. Yeah. The next yeah. dog is Bob. It, oh yeah. It, it gets worse. <laughs> like if they're in the backyard and I have to bring them in, the only way that they'll come in, if I'm not like, unless I'm shaking treats is I go yoga muffin, pickle barrel. And then they come tearing in. <laughs> <laughs> So we we are total like the Looney Tunes in the neighborhood. Yoga <laughs> muffin, pickle barrel. <laughs> the poor neighbors. I clearly, clearly did too much nitrous when I was in high school. <laughs> the brain cells melted. And there's no getting them back. I want to, I hope I know you when you are retired and in your eighties and you're out on your porch. That's, that's the Megan I want to know. Like, is it going to be like, you're going to be mellower or are you just going to be just on the porch? Oh no. Well, probably the porch I'll be sitting on will be a halfway house and (laughs) probably, Probably I will be living there for a long time. Yeah. Well, good. I hope to know you then too, Megan. It is, um, again, you are one of my favorite humans. I appreciate you so much. I'm so, uh, I feel blessed that you're in my life and I, I really mean that. And um, t- we could talk for days because we would anyway. So it, it's just a pleasure to just, I don't know, just focus our conversation a little too. It's nice. Oh, well, I, I love you guys. And I think it's so awesome that you are doing both of you. I mean, you're both fucking badass motherfuckers <laughs> and, um, and, and I love both of you so much. And I think you're fucking knocking it out of the park with this podcast. Oh, I'm so excited to listen to Jim Olson. Yeah. But I love that you're doing this. And and Amy, I follow you on Instagram and I get the good fortune of chatting with you. But the stuff that you're putting out into the world is really important stuff. And it's awesome. And you're doing a hell of a job. And I hope you're hearing that from a lot of folks. Oh, thank you. Well, let's uh, let's get on our bikes and and see each other soon. How does that sound? I can't fucking wait. <laughs> Megan Jasper, thank you for talking to us today. And um, 
We'll let you go. Bye, Smellies. Music from Chai on the Sub Pop record label. And of course, Megan Jasper, who is also part of the Sub Pop record label. If you live in Seattle, Sub Pop is, I mean, it's so important to this city. It's its just... Um, homegrown, man. It's one of those Seattle homegrown success stories. Yeah, where you feel proud when you see Sub yeah. Pop. Or you see someone wearing Sub Pop somewhere, anywhere else outside of Seattle, too. You're just like, yeah, that's my town. Something, um, Megan, and, and you talked a lot about in there was diet culture. Uh, you know, we don't plan out our interviews necessarily. And uh, I thought it was a really interesting discussion about, about diet culture. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. I mean, Megan was talking about how she wants to be healthy, but she doesn't like own a scale and doesn't, doesn't play that game. Right. Which is such a rare and healthy habit to have. I mean, eating disorders and conventional sort of beauty and all that shit that you see in magazines and the media and especially on women. I mean, it's, it happens to men too. It happens to all genders, but women are just targeted. Like you're supposed to whittle yourself down and, and look a certain way. And, and here's the diet that's going to do it. Right. And I feel like with my relationship with women over the years, I mean, friends and family and sisters, and there's always the, that's, that's a topic of conversation, the diet they're on. And, you know, when you go to restaurants and everyone's ordering and people are like, oh, I eat gluten-free and, oh, you know, I, I eat, uh, I don't eat meat or, oh, I don't eat dairy or whatever. I'm not talking about that because I feel like what you put in your body and nutrition is absolutely important. You know, it absolutely important, but we just need to change the conversation. We need to change the conversation about nourishment, not um, this sort of calories in, calories out, and um, trying to whittle ourselves down to a certain weight. I mean, you're not going to, um, when I die, because <laughs> I'm going to die yeah. first. I'm writing this down. What you do know, we need to do? We're not going to have my weight on my tombstone. Like, so don't, she did don't. it. She finally got the diet. And she finally lost the pounds, and she wins. Well, what am I going to do now? I put a deposit down on this, Amy. <laughs> I, I, I just assumed you will have won by then, because that is so important. I'm with you on that. That is very well said. So what happens is then people fuck up their metabolism, and they fuck up their hormones, and they fuck up your body's own ability to regulate things like the nu- nutrients they need it needs or hunger or all those things and other things fuck it up too i mean stress and sleep and all those things and you know there's this whole idea about intuitive eating which i love i love the concept so much and it's really hard to eat intuitively that is really 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 hard it's like how well how and then and, you know and there's like a list of ways to do it and it's sort of like a non-diet diet <laughs> And, and I don't want to get down on it because it's, it's really helped a lot of people. A lot of people have really, really been helped with that. So I don't want to get down on that. But what I'm just saying is we are lifelong eaters. We're lifelong eaters. 
and changing our relationship from diet culture and weight loss into how can I nourish my body? How can I nourish my mind? Because mental health is physical health, physical health is mental health. Like some people might be deficient in certain minerals and that makes their biochemistry harder to make certain chemicals that produce things like dopamine and serotonin and things that make you feel good. So, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, if you go on a, again, don't follow the trap, don't get in the trap, don't fall in. A certain diet is going to get rid of your depression. That's not what I'm saying. It's more complicated than that, but we do need nourishment, right? We do need nutrients. We do need health. Amy's been talking a lot about this, by the way, on her Instagram. It's Dr. Amy Lindsay, easy to find. Um, but I have found, I'm married to you. And I, I don't, of course, we don't sit around and talk about, you know, diet culture. Um, but I've learned a lot from what you've been posting and talking about as well. Like I've learned a lot about myself and eating because being with you and, and I've been a healthier eater since I've been with you for sure. And I've been in better shape than I've ever been in because of that. So it came with it. I never had to diet diet. I just, yeah. I was just, I just took more time and I thought more about what I was eating that alone. Just thinking about my friend went on, he started to just track what he was eating, for instance, and he's, he looked great. Cause I say, Oh man, you look great. You, you, what's going on? You know, he's, which of course implies you look like shit before and he may have, but he says, well, turns out if I just don't eat um, fried food and drink beer every night, things got a little better. He goes, and then I replaced them with really healthy foods. I never went on a diet. I just, I just ate. I just ate. I was smarter about how I ate. Well, and here's the thing. I just want to say, you know, food tracking can also be a trap for people and, it's, and can lead to a lot of disordered eating. So I just want to put that out there. But I think that it's totally fine to have some French fries and some beer or whatever, right? Like that's totally fine. It's just we have to reframe it. It's like so often talked about in terms of weight loss and and being a certain size and really it's more about accepting yourself because everybody's body has what's called a set point, like a different set point that's going to determine so many things about what your body is doing with biochemistry and, and using nutrients and things like that. And a lot of it has to do with acceptance. And also, if you want to change your body, that's fine too. I mean, do whatever the fuck you want with your body. It's your body. Like, I'm all about it. Like, if you're like, I want to, you know, I'm, I'm trying to build muscle right now. So I'm like lifting weights right now. Like, fucking go for it. Like, change your body if that's what you want to do. I'm not saying, you know, uh, don't. But it's this, it's this mindset of nourishment and using our diets or our, our nutrition as a tool and our health and thinking of it as health and rather than weight and weight loss and size and all that shit. Well, uh, something I enjoy in my diet is a little chai. So how about a little bit more? Before, before we go, Amy, I got to ask you one more question and you're not prepared for this question, but I'm going to ask it. Are you ready? It's very important. Okay. What are the origins of fuck shit? You've been saying it a lot lately. 
<laughs> You've said it a few times on this podcast, but I've heard you talk and I rem- I, I'm forgetting. Trap Yoga Bay. That's where. Where? You got a follower, Brittany. Her name's Brittany. I don't know her last name, but it's Trap Yoga B-A-E. She's the best. She says fuck shit all the time. She's my, she's my person. And so now everything is fuck shit. Everything that is just bullshit you got to cut out of your life, it's, it's, it's fuck shit. Okay, so my uh, challenge to all of you out there, if you're a swearer, like we clearly are, and Megan was, fuck shit is the word of the day. <laughs> all right, we're just about done here on The Doctor and the DJ. We do have a full song from Chai coming up that we want to play you. And a big thank you to Megan Jasper, CEO of Sub Pop, for both being a guest and saying, hey, you can use that Chai music on your podcast. So a big thank you to Megan from Sub Pop. I want to thank our dog who's been barking throughout this podcast. I don't know if you've oh, heard her. The whole time. But I don't know if you can, the Susie mic is, is picking it up. It's but. only so soundproofed our office slash uh, telehealth slash uh, radio booth uh, can deal with in here. But a big thank you to the dog. I want to make a big thank you to um, Yogi and Pickles. Yogi and Pickles. Yeah, we mentioned them in there as well. We'd also like to thank Ruinous Media for uh, dealing with us and editing and producing this podcast. We uh, we love you guys. Thank you so much. And I want to remind everybody, we have the doctor and the DJ on Instagram now, okay? And this is a great place to connect with us. I have so many emails <laughs> through the bar, through my other job. If you want to write us directly, great way to do so is go to the doctor and the DJ. Follow us on Instagram. Direct message us if you have questions or comments or subjects you'd like to hear on the show or you want to sponsor this podcast you just you be you but follow us at the doctor and the dj there you can also find us online at the doctor and the dj.com great way to stay connected to all that we're doing as well yeah the instagram it took us a minute to you know roll that boulder up the hill and get the page going and get all the posts and stuff but the idea is is that John and I will be doing like some Instagram lives. We'll be doing a lot more stuff on there to get feedback, but people got to know to go there. Yeah, we need at least, what, a thousand people before. <laughs> I'm looking at it now. It says 298. So hey, we're, 298. Yeah, 298. Woo! We're getting there. So, you know, follow us there and then you'll find out all these other places that we're very active. We also want to thank, as always, our neighbor, Michael Lerner, Telekinesis, for the Doctor and the DJ song. And speaking of songs, we're going to leave you with one from Chai. Their new album, again, is called Wink. It's out on Sub Pop, and this one's entitled Pink. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Spread the word. You're our marketing, so we'd appreciate you letting others know where they can find the Doctor and the DJ. You are not alone.
Let's go. 